Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. We're going to have a wonderful time today in the Word. I felt led by the Spirit to begin this service this way. And so normally we have worship as we begin service, but I felt to go straight into the Word of God today. So I want you to open your hearts to receive what the Lord wants to say to us as a church. Amen. If this is your first time here, welcome. You're in for a good treat. Thank you, Father, for the Word. Somebody say, mode over mood. Yes, yes. I felt it appropriate to end today's, uh, or to end this month's series, Mode Over Mood, uh, speaking about worship mode. And before we worship, because we will worship later, I thought the Lord wanted to lay a strong foundation of worship. And he wants to teach to us, he wants to talk to us about living in worship mode. He wants to really inculcate into our hearts what heaven says about worship. And so you're going to have an amazing time learning about worship today. And I want to just first start off by saying that if you want to know your call, you want to know your purpose, you want to know why you were born, you want to know why, you know, why you're here, one thing is true about your purpose, one thing is true about your call, you are called to worship. And actually, I will begin to say that worship is the core of your call. Worship is the core of your call. Before you can flow into the calling of your career, the calling of your family life, the calling of anything else, I want you to know that worship is the core of your core, of your call. And when you, when you flow in worship, everything else starts to fall in line. And so we're going to have an amazing time today in the Word of God. Somebody say mode over mood. Somebody shout worship mode. John 4. 23 to 24 and this is a story where Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well if you know the story well you know that she is in dire need of a breakthrough in her life she is at a place where she is empty she's at a place where she has given herself over herself over to many men and she's at the well and she's thirsty naturally. It's the middle of the day. Maybe it's summertime. And Jesus appears on the scene and he's by the well and he has a discussion with her and he begins to ask her to draw some water from the well. And she goes back and forth with him like, well, who are you? You're a Jew. You know, we're not supposed to have any dealings. I'm a Samaritan woman, you know, and they go back and forth. And then they go into the discussion of worship. And she begins to say to him that, yeah, we know that this is the mountain that we are to worship. And she begins to describe what worship is supposed to look like. She begins to tell Jesus, this is where we are to worship. We're supposed to worship here. This is how we're to worship. And then Jesus begins to correct a thinking. He begins to give her a picture of what true worship looks like. And I believe that what he said to her applies today. It applies to us. And so let me just share what he said. This is found in verse 23 to 24. It says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers 
will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So one of the things that Jesus wanted to really highlight to her is that, look, there's coming a time where your worship is not going to be relegated to going to a specific mountain. There's coming a time where your worship is not going to be relegated to how you look when you worship. God is actually seeking for something. He's looking for something. He wants something deeper than an outward expression of worship. Outward expressions of worship are good, but he wants more than that. He wants more than that. And he begins to tell her this because maybe she lived a life of surface living where she presented herself a certain way. And he says, listen, I want to go to the core of this. I want to go deeper than this. I'm not satisfied with surface level worship. I'm not satisfied with just appearance. I want something that is deeper than this. I want something that is true, not something that is fake, not something that is on the surface. I want something that is true and sincere. So he says, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Thinking about that, God is looking for this. This is something that he desires. He wants this kind of worship. He desires this kind of worship. And so I want you to understand that worship, as it relates to mode over mood, we worship God not based on our personality and our comfort and what we like to do. We worship God based on what he is seeking. I want you to understand this very clearly. A lot of times people relate to people based on their comfort. Well, I like this, so this is what I'm going to give you. This makes me comfortable, so this is what I'll share with you. This is what my love language is, so this is how I'll communicate it to you. And God is like, listen, if you're going to worship me, I want you to worship me a certain way. And the very first thing I want you to understand is I'm calling for those who will worship me in spirit and in truth. Somebody say spirits and truth. This is what the Father is seeking after. I want you to really pay close attention to that. He is seeking this kind of worship. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Where are my true worshipers at? Come on, think about that. Think about that. When we talk about mode over mood, where are my people who know how to worship God irrespective of how their day is going? Where are my people who know how to worship God irrespective if they feel like it? True worship is not relegated to a feeling. It's not relegated to a mood. It's not relegated to what's happening around you. True worship is relegated to what you know about God. And what you know about God will determine how you release worship to him. One of the things I know about God, very fundamental, very elementary, but it's so powerful. God is good. So no matter what is going on that's not good, no matter what's going on that I don't like, no matter what's going on that perplexes me, frustrates me, antagonizes me, I know one thing, God is good. And so when I worship God, I worship God with that understanding, Lord, you're good. This fly wants to really get to me. (laughs) Somebody say, God is good. Is God worthy of your worship today? 
Glory to God. So I want you to understand that worship has to come from a place of revelation of who God is. It must come with that revelation. Luke 17, 15 to 19. And one of them, and let me just give you a background here. Jesus is on his way somewhere and 10 lepers appear and they cry out to Jesus and they're like, have mercy on us. They're leprous men. They have leprosy. When you think about that, 10 of them, and they're crying out to, to Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus has mercy on them. He speaks a word of health over them, and he says, go and show yourself to the priest. And the reason why he said that is because when you had leprosy, before you can come back into community, the priest had to declare that you were clean. He had to declare, okay, I've examined you. I looked at you. Okay, you once had this, but now it looks like it's healed. You're good. You can go back into the community. And so he said, go and show yourself to the priest. Now think about it. Immediately, the leprosy didn't leave, but they went. And they went. And as they went, they saw that their leprosy was removed from their body. I want you to think about that. And so verse 15 says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice. Somebody say loud voice. He returned with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. When you think about that, why does it, why does it, why does it indicate that he was a Samaritan? Because you'll see the next verse. Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed but where are the nine were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner in other words Jesus understood the rest of them weren't foreigners the rest of them had a relationship a covenant relationship with God the rest of them should know better and so Jesus says, wait a minute, this is, this is confusing. Weren't there 10? Where are the rest of them? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this stranger or foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Why is God seeking true worshipers? Because most people aren't. Most people, this is, I think, a great sample of people that we have today. Most people can receive a breakthrough in their life and then keep going. Most people can see the hand of God move in their life and then act like nothing happened. Most people can experience breakthrough in the spirit. God spoke to them. God changed the level of their living. And they said, oh, that was great. And then they keep moving. Most people are not like the Samaritan, that foreigner that would say, listen, maybe I walked a mile. Maybe I walked two miles. Maybe I'm right close to the priest. But before I do that, I don't mind going back to give God glory, to worship him, to release praise from my spirit, man. This is why Jesus said, weren't there 10? How is it that only one person came back? To give God glory. How is that one person came back to give him thanks? I'm speaking better things concerning us. I declare that you are a true worshiper of God. 
and you're quick to recognize when God is moving in your life and you're not a withholder of that which belongs to him. I'm speaking this over Life Church as a whole. You're not a withholder of worship. You're not a withholder of praise. You're not someone who's going to sit silently and see God do miraculous things in your life and say, oh, okay, that's cool. What do you got next? No, you are going to be a radical worshiper of God. You are going to come out of your personality, come out of your mood, come out of your thoughts, come out of your bad day, and you're going to be a releaser of worship in the name of Jesus. Because it's in that place that you are living in purpose. What's my purpose, God? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? I want to know what my purpose is. Sometimes the reason why the true revelation of your purpose isn't shown is because you haven't done the first thing. And the very first thing is worship. Worship is the core of your call. I want you to think about that. Worship is the core of your call. Worship is the core of your call. Once you are at a place of worship, then everything else becomes known and clear. This is why new believers, new believers tend to hear and get God to speak to them really quick and clearly. It's because it's at the place of surrendering your life to God that you're in a mode of worship. When people respond to an altar call and they say, I want Jesus, I want you to understand what's happening. That is a demonstration of worship. You're surrendering yourself in that moment. And that's why in that moment you get revelation. You hear God's voice. You, you see God moving in your life. But here's what happens with believers. After a while, life settles in. And they become complacent. And they just live life just in a, you know, a regular dull manner. And that place of surrender, that place of worship, that place where they said, yes, Jesus, that place is no longer where they're operating under. They're operating on the mood and not mode. And what happens? The revelation of their purpose becomes dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And what was once very clear to you, what was once so clear to you, all of a sudden is now foggy. I believe that God is calling us to a place back to worship. And as that, that place, as, as we return back to that place, no more fogginess in your, in your, in your vision. You're going to see clearly as you were called to see. Somebody say mode over mood. Somebody shout worship mode. Yeah. And one thing I love about this is that notice the Samaritan. I find that it's usually the person that is quote-unquote unqualified, that releases true worship. I find that it's the person that really shouldn't know better, shouldn't do better, don't know what you know. That's the person that usually is more appreciative of God. It's the person that knows more that gets settled. It's the person that's been in church for a while that gets settled. It's the person that can quote scriptures that gets settled. But that person that doesn't know nothing but God just did something miraculous, that's the person that is a releaser of worship. I pray that we will live in that place. That as we mature in Christ, we never come to a point where we just get dull in our walk. No, let fresh fire rest over you now and forevermore. Somebody shout worship mode. Worship mode. Worship mode. No more living. No more living in your mood. 
You're going to wake up worshiping God. Throughout your day, you're going to worship God. Bad news hits you, oh, it's a good time to worship. Going to bed, it's a good time to worship. No more living by your emotions. This is how you walk in purpose. Oh, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this. Somebody say, I was created for worship. First Peter chapter 2, look at verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. What are you? This speaks of purpose. God chose you for some reason, for some purpose. He selected you for a reason. You're a chosen generation. Oh, I love that. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Remember that. I'm going to come back to that. You're a what? Say it loud. I want to know my purpose. I want to know my, my calling. I want to know why I was put on this earth. Start with what has been written. What has been written? You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. I'll go into that in a little bit. But let me just say this. You were called as a priest unto God. Now, when I say the word priest, some of you, because of your background, maybe you see a white collar, you see someone in the box, someone that is receiving confessions of people, and you think, well, that's my calling. Obviously, no, that's not what I'm saying. A priest was, was called to offer up sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. That was one of their main purposes. A priest was called to serve in the temple. A priest was sort of a representation of God to the people. Yes. How many know that you are now that person? Amen. You're a royal priesthood. That's your call. A holy nation. Somebody say holy nation. Are you holy today? Ah, come on. I want you to know that you're holy. Somebody say I'm holy. Yeah, you are called to be holy. That's your, that's your calling. His own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want you to remember this particular scripture. If ever you lose sight of your call, go back to 1 Peter 2 verse 9 and come down to the very fundamental of why you were put on this earth. One, I'm chosen. Two, I'm a royal priesthood. Three, I'm holy. I'm part of a holy nation, the body of Christ. Four, I'm his special, I'm part of his special people. I'm special in the eyes of God. Five, so that I may proclaim, so that I may demonstrate, so that I may show the praises of God. I may show how excellent he is. My life will be a reflection of his glory. That's my purpose. That's why I was called. That's why I'm here. Somebody say worship mode. Praise the Lord. Revelation chapter 4, look at verse 4. Let's look at how this looks. Around the throne were 24 thrones. This is the throne room, the throne, the throne room of, of heaven. This is where the Father is. And around this throne, there's 24 thrones. And on the thrones, I saw 24 elders. Elders are actual people. They're not angels. There's a lot of debate as to who the people are. That's not really important right now. But these are 24 selected people that are sitting around the throne in 24 
24 thrones before the throne. They're all elders clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. They had what? Look at verse 10 and 11. And the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. So I want you to understand something. These people are royal. These people have been given a, they've been, honor has been bestowed upon them. They're sitting on the throne beside the throne of God. They're, they have their own throne, if you would. They have crowns. They're distinguished. They're accomplished. And yet, what do they do? They take off that which adds value to them, that which gives them a reputation, honor. They take it and they cast it. They throw it to the ground. They throw it to the ground. So I want to ask you, what, what brings honor to your, to, to, to your name, to your life, to your family, to your legacy? Think about that. What, what adds value to your own life? Some of it is education. For some people, it's your money. For some people, it's your family, your relationships. What's, what do you, what's your pride and joy? What do you hold dearly? What, what makes you who you are? What distinguishes you? Think about that for a second. What are you proud of? This is what they did. They took that thing and they cast it before God. And they began to worship him with that. When you think about that, for some of you, it's your money. You feel good and secure when you have a lot of money in your bank account. For a lot of people in society, that's what it is. You equate winning to what you have in your, in your bank account, what you have in your pocket. So imagine that. They took that and they threw it down on the throne. And what did they say? They said, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. What is he worthy to receive? Glory, honor, and power. I love that. That's what people are going after in life. They want glory. They want honor. They want power. They want to be able to move about. They want to be free. They want honor. They want people to respect them. They want people to acknowledge them. They want, oh, did you see? Yo, she's doing her thing. Oh, man, this guy, he's doing, yo, that's what they want. But they cast that down before God and said, you are worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. That which we're seeking after, that which we want, that which adds value to our lives, they freely threw it down on the, on the, on the ground, worshiping him with it. Where my true worship is at. Come on, where my true worship is at. I want you to think about that because some people won't follow the will of God because they have a reputation to uphold. Some people will not go into the ministry because their family will look at them and say, you went to school for this? And they won't ever cast down that crown, that thing that adds value to their life. Some people won't do the will of God because it looks like it's demeaning. It looks minuscule. It looks, what is this? That's what Jesus is looking for. That's what gives him honor. That's what gives him glory. That's what gives him power. When you cast that before the throne. In the name of the Lord Jesus. This is, this is the life that we're called to live. And we will live it in Jesus' name. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things. He created what? And by your will, they exist and were created. I love that. By your will, 
They exist and were created. In other words, you were created for this. You were created to give him worship. You were created to give him glory. You were created for his pleasure. That's the core of your call. This is why your emotions are so important to keep in check because your emotions will always try to derail you and pull you away from the core of what you, God has called you to. But you need to right then and there say, no, mode over mood, I'm in worship mode. This is my call. And this is what I will release in the name of the Lord. Let me give you a few things about praise and worship. You still with me? Glory to God. We're going to have a good time today. Praise and worship brings God's manifested presence. Praise and worship brings God's manifested presence. Praise and worship brings God's manifested presence. His presence is here, but praise and worship brings out the manifested presence. That means I can be here next to you. Michelle, right? Is that your name? (laughs) But my manifested presence is felt when I'm touching you. God can be right here, but you don't feel him. God is here, but you don't hear him. God is here, but nothing about his presence is making any difference in your life. You want his presence to make a difference in your life? Release praise and worship. Glory to God. God's manifested presence is released in worship. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 5. 11 to 14, and it came to pass when the priest came out of the holy, the most holy place, when the priest, how many priests we have in here? When the priest came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. In other words, they had specific roles, right? But even though Maybe some role required this and some role required that. They all sanctified themselves. They all prepared themselves for, for service. They all, you know how you have, we have teams here, right? So we, we, we have our worship team. We have our praise. We, we have our greeter team, our hospitality team, all, a whole bunch of teams. Okay. Praise God. Now, this is what it looks like. They all, even though so-and-so is not on the schedule, right? They all sanctified themselves for service they all set their hearts apart for service okay they were priests and the levites who were the singers all those of asaph and heman and jeduthon with their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar clothed in white linen having cymbals string instruments and harps And with them, 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one. They were as what? To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. Oh, I love that. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, And praise the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. This is what praise and worship looks like. And I'll add thanksgiving. It causes the manifested presence of God 
Now, I'm talking about specifically in a worship setting, but I want to just extend it to your own home. How many want the glory cloud filling your own room? Notice it says with one sound. Here's how you draw the manifested presence of God. Make sure there's only one sound. Make sure there's only one sound coming out in your prayer language. One sound coming out in your home. It's very difficult to have a different kind of sound, different kind of message, different kind of speech. And then you go into a different kind of worship, a different kind of mode, and then you expect the manifested presence of God. No, the manifested presence of God happens when one sound is being released. That's why I want to encourage you again, put away complaining. You can't have complaining and blessing. That's not one sound. You want the manifested presence of God? Put away complaining. Substitute it with praising. Come on now. You want to have the manifested presence of God? Put away cursing. And let there only be blessing. That's one sound. One sound creates the manifested presence of God. One of the reasons why in your own personal life, Sometimes things seem to be stop and goes because there's not unity in your own soul. There is this and that. There's this and that. There's division in your own thoughts, in your own feelings, in your own mind. And God is like, put that away. I want one sound. I want one heart. I want one. I want unity within your own self. And that's where you begin to draw on the manifested presence of God. I'm speaking that over our church. The glory of God will fill this place. Because of one sound. How many want that? This is going to bless you. Praise and worship. Number two. Sets the environment for increase. What do you want more of? Come on. What do you want more of? Talk to me. I heard money. I heard faith. What else I heard? What do you want more of? What do you want to increase in? Huh? What's that? Wisdom. I love that. Discipline. Discernment. Okay, you guys are real spiritual. I like that. Praise God. What do you want more of? Shout to me. What do you want more of? Property. Pregnancy. Okay, more children. I love it. Praise and worship draws on the increase of heaven. That's what it does. Praise and worship. You want more of whatever, whatever God has said you should have more of? Create that atmosphere of increase through praise and worship. You heard the saying, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Here's the thing about that. I believe that that's a true statement. I believe it's even true, even in the realm of the spirit. God will pass over a million people to get to a true worshiper. The person that is loud, the person that is passionate, the person, think about it, blind Bartimaeus was crying out at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, what if he was whispering? What, what if, yeah, he was so loud, he said, be quiet. What if he was whispering? What if he said, eh, you know what? If Jesus wants to heal me, he'll heal me. I'll just stay in the cut and I'll wait until he acknowledges me. What would have happened? Jesus would have walked on by. Because the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I'm going to say it this way. The worshiper gets the anointing. 
The worshiper gets the power of God. The worshiper gets the manifested presence of God. The worshiper gets the answer to prayer. The worshiper gets the increase. I'm telling you, that's what it is. Throughout scripture, throughout the gospels, you'll see that God responds to worship. He responds to passion. He responds to those who are saying, I don't care how loud I am. I don't care if I'm disruptive. I don't care if, I'm, if I seem rude. I'm getting what heaven has apportioned to me. Glory to God. It's the cool people, the cute people, the people that have too much dignity. Those are the ones who get nothing. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you want increase, create an atmosphere of increase through praise and worship. Here's what happens when you worship God. Heaven begins to rattle. <laughs> Heaven begins to move. Something begins to stir. All of a sudden, things begin to flow your way because you now are in one accord with what heaven is saying, with what heaven is doing. And you're lining your heart up to what God is saying over your life. And then the flow of increase overtakes you. Glory to God. Some of you, you want, a, you want a husband, you want a wife. Here's the thing. Get into worship. Get into worship. I feel that in my spirit. Some of you are not worshiping at home. You're not praising God at home. You're not releasing the praise due his name at home. You're living by your emotions. You're living by your thoughts. You're living, about, you're living by your mood. And that's stopping the flow. Get into worship. Get into a mode of worship. And then the things you desire will be given to you. Increase comes to those who praise and worship God. Where my true worship is at? Look at the scripture found in Psalm 67. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. I love that. I'm going to say it one more time. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. Yes, Lord. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. God will bless you in this season as you are worshiping God. Number three, praise and worship. I like this. Creates a winning atmosphere. Praise and worship creates a winning atmosphere. Somebody say winning. You cannot lose and be a worshiper of God. You cannot lose. You cannot lose. You cannot lose when you're worshiping God. You want to look like a winner? Lift up your hands and worship God. Isn't that what winners do? After they shoot that basket and it goes in, what do they do? What do they do? They lift up their hands as a sign that I completed the task. My hands are no longer working. I'm done. I've won. And they celebrate in victory. Why? Because worship is a sign of winning. You cannot lose while worshiping. You can't lose. You can't lose. Glory to God. Let me see. Let, let, let's look at the second Chronicles 20 verse 22. Now, when they began to sing and to praise... I love this. This is a scene, a scene where the people of God were about to fight a war. And there were four armies coming against the nation of Israel. And, and they were going to be overwhelmed. And this is what happened. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. And they were defeated. They were defeated while they were singing. Think about that. 
Is it possible that there's some fights you don't have to fight? All you need to do is sing. Is it possible that there's some battles you don't have to fight? All you need to do is worship. Is it possible that there's some problems you need to figure out, but you don't need to figure out on your own strength? You need to go into worship, and all of a sudden, the answer comes downloaded into your spirit, man. I'm telling you, worship creates a winning atmosphere. You cannot lose by by being a worshiper. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. When they did that, they began to sing, the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. That that was the song that they sung. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And while they were singing that, God sent ambushes against their enemies. They did not have to fight. In fact, after all of that took place, they came out from that place with spoil. They took all the gold, all the jewels, all the things that uh, their enemy had. They took it from them and went into the next place that God would call them to. You can't lose by being a worshiper. In the name of the Lord Jesus, this is your winning season. Let me get real practical with you. Because some of you, I'm talking about two things here. Worship at home, yes. And that's the most important thing because you're home more than you're not. Or at least more than here. But let me talk to you about what worship looks like here at Life Church. Worship here at Life Church looks like this. First and foremost, oh, I didn't even plan to say this, but the Lord wants me to say this. You guys ready? ready. Come on time. That's where worship begins. This fly really wants to get me. Come on time. Arriving promptly is a demonstration of where your heart is. Let me be honest with you. When you are on time, you're saying something that this is important to me. Yeah. Now, some of you are very good at coming on time. I didn't plan to say this, but this this is the Lord now. Some of you, you, you come on time for work. You do. Because you get paid. Right? And if you don't come on time, you know you ain't getting paid. Or it'll be a, a demerit, you'll get fired, you get written up, something would happen, negative, right? So you show up on time. We look at God, I think, sometimes too casually. Uh, you know, no, 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 no. I want to be a true worshiper. Now, we know true worship is not just the outward stuff. I, I, I laid all that foundation, and I wasn't talking outward, right? If I wanted to focus on outward, I would have started here. I'm not starting here. I'm st- this is the end of it. But I want to show you this is what it looks like. It starts in here, but this is how it manifests outwardly. You are here on time worshiping God with one sound. Somebody say one sound. Glory to God. That's what it looks like. Two, it looks like this. Your hand, you're, you're, you're here, and you're not just here to be a spectator, but you're here to release something into the atmosphere. Because let me tell you something, when you worship God, you're releasing something that is ministering to the person next to you. You'd be surprised, but that happens. Many times you're releasing something in the atmosphere, someone hears it, someone is blessed by it, someone is stirred by it, it's an answer to somebody, and all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, this is ministering to me. This is how the early church or the, or the church began. 
They came and they said, how is it that we're hearing the wonderful, the, the wonderful acts of God? Acts chapter 2. When the disciples were in the upper room and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to worship God, God created a miracle of sound and he allowed a whole bunch of different ethnic groups to hear their own language. And they assembled and said, what is this? How is it that we're hearing our own language? The wonderful works of God. So your worship, your release of praise, it can create an atmosphere that causes ministry to take place for others. This is why we should come on time. This is why we should not spectate. We should participate and we should release. Even if you don't feel like it. Many times I'm coming here, I don't feel like it. But I've decided I'm going to live mode over mood. Even when I visit other churches and I don't have to be up front. Even when I'm on the 10th row, I say, you know what? I'm not worshiping because I'm a pastor. I'm worshiping because I'm a Christian. Jesus has been good to me. I'm going to release worship because that's what I was created to do. This is how I walk in revelation of purpose for my life because I've found out this truth. that My worship is the core of my call. And it's there that I could discover everything else. It's in worship. Where my true worship is at. This is how it looks like. It looks like this. In extending of our hands. Glory to God. Somebody extend your hands to heaven. Yeah, that's worship right there. That's worship. You extend your hands and you bless him. You open up your mouth and you begin to release worship unto his name. You begin to say how good he is. Come on, let's do that right now. Let's release a word of praise to his name. Yes, oh God. Yes, oh God. Yes, oh God. We worship you, Lord. You're worthy of worship. You're worthy of honor. You're worthy of glory. You're worthy of adoration. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of Lords. You're the God eternal. Jesus, you're the winner. Jesus, you have given us the victory. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you're the answer to the problem. Jesus, you're the rejoicing of my heart. Jesus, I lift your name up. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> oh, I hear the devil. He's mad right now because someone is discovering the fact that Jesus has given you a surpassing victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is how it looks like. This is how it looks like. It looks passionate. Yes, Lord. The woman with the alabaster box. Costly oil. Costly oil. She opened the bottle, opened the flask, poured this costly oil on the feet of Jesus, anointed his feet, anointed his body, anointed his head with this costly oil, and notice what happened. His, 
some of, some, of the, some of those that were present began to criticize her and said, this is a waste of money. You know how, how many times people would say to you, it's a waste to give God something costly. This is a waste. You could do this with that. Do you know how much you can do with this? You know how much you can do with that? And they don't realize it, but they are critiquing the value of Jesus. They're saying he is not worth it. And that was the indictment that they released on her. You're doing something that is a waste. And Jesus said, leave her alone. She's anointing my body for my burial. What she has done shall be reported throughout the entire world. Wherever this gospel is preached, you will hear what this woman has done. That's what worship does. It causes your name to be heard in places you will never go. This costly oil that some would estimate was the, the, the average salary for a whole year. Think about what you get paid a year. That's what it was. She says, no problem. I want to do it. Oil. What worship looks like. Worship looks like giving. Glory to God. Remember when they cast their crowns down, those were gold crowns. So let's, let, let, let's, let's use our vernacular. Let's just say you had a Rolex watch, right? Let's just say you had diamond earrings. Say you had diamond rings. You took all of that, just dumped it at the, you just dumped it on the throne. Yes. Right there, God. I want to worship you. Yeah. That's what it looks like. It's releasing that which is costly, that which is valuable, but casting it before God. What does worship look like? It worship, it looks like giving. And I'm so excited that you guys are givers. I don't have to, I don't have to, you know, beat you over the head with that because you know, you know about this. But this is what it looks like. It looks like giving. Where are my givers at? Yeah. Now here's the thing about giving. When you give, you truly have to give with the heart of worship. Here's where some of us have made the mistake. We've given, and after we've given, we've walked away mad. Oh, why did I give that? Why did I do that? And you're cursing, you're cursing the seed that was, that was planted. What you need to do every time you give to the Lord, you need to rejoice in your giving. Your giving is a seed. Just like, just like if, if a woman is pregnant, she is a seed in her womb. Any woman in her right mind is not going to curse that seed sown. It's not going to say, oh, you know, it may be uncomfortable being pregnant, but no woman in her right mind is going to say, I can't stand this baby. You stupid baby. You ugly baby. Stop. You know, no, no, woman, no woman would do that. They would never curse. Now, they don't see the baby. They're not holding the baby in terms of with their hands. The baby is doing absolutely nothing for them but taking from them. But because they are so in tune with what pregnancy means and what a seed sown means, they know, bless the seed sown. Bless the seed sown. Sometimes giving is uncomfortable, but bless the seed sown. Sometimes it feels like it's taking from you, but bless the seed sown. Sometimes it feels like it hasn't done anything for you yet. Oh, well, bless the seed sown. Because if you continue to bless the seed sown, eventually, not only will you give birth to that, not only will you have a harvest, but that harvest will be a refreshing over your life. Bless the seed sown. 
Don't curse it. Bless it. That's what worship looks like. That was one of the first things. That was, somebody say the money test. That was the very first thing. One of the first things. One of the first things I had to learn as a new Christian. I had to pass the money test. And there's two types of money tests. There's the, there's the money test when you, when you don't have anything, but a little bit. And then there's the money test when you have a whole lot. Right? So the, when, you, when you have a little bit, here's the money test. Yeah, I know it's little, but I still want a portion of that. Well, Jesus, that's a little bit. I mean, pass the money test. Like you've heard me say this before, many of us, we pass that very well. Oh, yeah, Jesus, sure, I'll give $5 because that's all I have. Praise the Lord. Right? Sure, sure, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. And I give my life away, Jesus. And it's everything, right? Wonderful. Now, as the Lord increases you, as the Lord blesses you, are your words the same? Is your attitude the same? It was once $100. Now he's saying, okay, I've elevated you to a different place. Can you release 10000 Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, let's, let's slow down a little bit, Lord. Pass the money test. Pass the test when things are going well. We know what it's like to cry out to God when we're in a jam. We know what it's like to cry out to God when things are bad. We know what it's like to cry out when we're in a barren place. How do you cry out when you're flourishing? How do you worship God when things are good? Pass the test. This is how you live in worship mode. This is why I purposely, and you know this is true if you've been here for a while, I purposely do not have the musicians get on the organ, get on the keyboard, get on the drums, get you all excited, do a whole bunch of dance, you know, prophesy to you. I don't do that because I want you to give in mode, not in mood. I want you to give out a revelation of God's goodness, not in your desperation for a breakthrough. Glory to God. I felt that one. Many times, that's how we're programmed to give. I need a breakthrough. Let me, see, let me sow a seed. I need God to do something. Let me sow a seed. God is like, cool, I'll do something, but I really want you to give because you love me. I want you to give because I've been good to you already. Not because you want me to continue to be. I'm already good. Just worship me with that which is important to you. Here at Life Church, we give out of mode, not out of mood. We don't give. Now, we should be excited about giving. Absolutely. We should rejoice in giving. No question about it. But we're not giving in that only. We're giving in revelation of God's goodness towards us. Glory to God. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.